Hi, Jen. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing today? Good. It's episode two of our podcast series. Yes. <laughs> In the middle of a pandemic and a crazy election. That's right. So why shouldn't we talk about it? Sleep. Exactly. <laughs> or lack of. Lack of. Let's talk about sleep. <laughs> All right, so um, sleep, ah. <laughs> you know this topic really well. I know I'm not sleeping right now. Um, all right, just to put the, um, the learning part around about this, that um, I got a lot of these statistics from Autism Speaks, and then you're here to tell me the real version of life as well. Um, but we know that over half of children with autism and um, as many as four out of five have chronic sleep problems, that is chronic. Um, they, many kids on the autism spectrum as they become teenagers develop um, problems sleeping which is hard on child and the caregiver which you know all too, all too well. And it can be a combination of falling asleep, staying asleep, waking up too much, having a hard time, um, settling down, and that they happen more often in children that have restrictive and repetitive behaviors like lining up toys, hand rocking, um, anxiety and or sensory problems. So I know you know that all too well. And so as a behavior analyst, I started on this journey because I was thinking, what if parents determine the successful outcomes? for their child on the autism spectrum. And I couldn't think of anything better than one, we talked about safety, and two, sleep. <laughs> Your child is not sleeping, you're not sleeping. And so, you know, if you look at the literature, it talks about sleep considerations, right? Provide a comfortable sleep setting. <laughs> Establish regular bedtime habits, like calming routines. But let's get real, let's talk about that, all right? <laughs> so there are lots of reasons why kids don't sleep, um, they, and it, this can change as they grow, right? It could be they cannot fall asleep. It could be that they fall asleep, but they wake up. It could be that they sleep, but only for short times. It could be that they have trouble because there's irrational fears or anxiety. Could be chemical, not enough melatonin in the body. It could be a physical discomfort, or they're just not tired. <laughs> All right, so let's talk. Dylan over the years. I know he didn't sleep last night. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> 21 years old. Mm -hmm. um, sleep has been something that you and I have talked about for years and has been a part of your journey. So thinking of these categories, let's talk about your life with Dylan. Yeah, definitely. Like when I'm looking at the list of things, um, you know, obviously everybody is different and um, it affects everybody differently and not one individual is the same as the other. Um, talking about Dylan, um, you know, from day one, even as a baby, he would literally probably only sleep about 20 minutes at night in the beginning. Um, and when I look, I'm sorry. How old was he then? Um, I would say as an infant, yep. uh, all the way up to probably the time we met you, um, you know, he was just up all the time. Um, he was always crying. Um, and when he was a toddler, um, he would wake up, it, you know, he would go to bed. Going to bed was not an issue. Like 
even now he will put himself to bed he kind of has an eternal clock where he knows it's time for him to go to bed um for us that's typically i would say around you know 8 p.m at night see so he, he goes to bed a little bit later sometimes um you know now that he's a little older um i remember when he used to put himself to bed early yeah <laughs> like six yeah. o'clock on those nights yeah. you were like oh crap <laughs> you know? um but now you know i would say for him it was never the issue wasn't going to sleep it was staying asleep um for a long time you know was trying to figure out why he was always crying at night getting up staying up um he has a lot of um other just medical issues that is very common in children on the spectrum and that's what we kind of found out in the end i thought he was having because he'd wake up just screaming his lungs out and i thought maybe he was having nightmares night terrors or something um through a lot of testing and just you know trial and error we did find out some things that were affecting him in his sleep um one was that he has acid reflux really bad i remember um, that i remember yeah. graphing all over the place trying to cause the root problem and it made us realize there has to be something physical and so he he is one of those child and i'm gonna go through these categories again mm -hmm. so the categories that i like to rule out are they can't fall asleep Mm -hmm. wake up um dylan could fall asleep he would wake up he'd have short nights of sleep we thought maybe it was anxiety or fear um or, or night tremors um chemical maybe not enough melatonin which very well is possible but he also had the acid reflux that would wake him up and so laying down is the worst thing you can do for acid reflux with kids so he definitely was under the category of physical discomfort um so we tried a lot of things um, to help him. Um, you know, obviously he had a whole team of both medical interventionists. Um, he had like five different specialists. So <laughs> we had, um, you know, our, our pediatrician is very knowledgeable about autism. We had an, an, a neurologist, pediatric neurologist that specialized in autism. Um, he had a pediatric GI, uh, a pediatric ENT, right. mm -hmm. and then a child psychiatrist. And then at the same time, you know, we were working with a whole team of, you know, behavior interventionists, um, occupational therapy, um, speech therapy, this whole huge, you know, tribe and network. And what was really good about it is that we made sure that the whole team, including the schools, were working together to try to find out what was happening and how we could deal with the situation. And, you know, a lot was trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and very expensive, you know, it adds up you, at some point, especially with sleep. I mean, I think sleep is honestly, you know, even more than tantrums or aggression, like sleep is so difficult because it affects everybody and your ability not only for the person that it's happening to um to function but everybody around you you know so if you're not sleeping your child's not sleeping and you know you still got to get up and go to work the next day or they need to go to school or work or whatever they do um so it's really impactful so here's a few things we tried um 
you know, we tried a lot of different things. I went to, um, you know, a alternative medicine um, doctor. I tried to do, you know, dietary things thinking maybe that was it. Um, so, you know, we tried different diets. We tried eliminating things. We tried supplements and some of it worked. And what I would say what works for Dylan is a combination of things, um, a combination of, um, you know, dietary things, supplements, but also just a lot of um, physical things within the room. Um, we did things like we bought him a big bed. I remember. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we went from a twin bed to a, a queen size bed. Granny's yeah. um, always been a big kid, that's why he's called Big D. Mm -hmm. But something about having that larger environment definitely helped him. Um, he and occupational therapy, he's a total sensory kid. Um, so we did things at night, like we, we did the brushing techniques and that really seemed to calm him. Um, things that worked were taking a hot bath at night, um, maybe with some you know, um, essential oils, things like that. Some people use Epsom salts. Um, and then we had um, a sound machine that was really effective in a positive way. Um, you know, his favorite was the ocean waves, but you know, there's all different things that people use. Um, also, um, Dylan really likes deep pressure. So we try to, you know, work on, you know, almost like a little bit of a massage at <laughs> night, um, but also a heavy blanket. Um, Fire resistant. Oh yeah. Fire resistant, heavy blanket um, was a huge thing for him. And then we bought um, a body pillow um, and that really helps lots of pillows. Um, and then just really trying to keep him um, calm at night. Um, some things that I think for anybody I'm always told are good habits to have, like, you know, not to eat or drink a lot, like, you know, close to bedtime. Um, you know, a lot of our kids have trouble um, making it through the night with having to go to the bathroom. So obviously not trying to load up on liquids right before you go to bed, but also making sure that trying to get them to go to the bathroom before they go to bed. So, because that was totally typical Dylan. He had to get up to go to the bathroom at night, no matter what time it was. If he got up once, that was it. He was yeah. up the rest of the night. Yeah. So those type of things, um, you know, and then, you know, trying not to have the TV on too late, you know, right before bed. Um, he actually did like to listen to music when he was going to bed, classical music, something calming. Um, so from a behavioral perspective, this is a decision tree. And, and so it's so fun to hear your story because now if you look up how to help sleep, disorders and children with autism, everything you described is there, but we didn't know, we didn't know this back then, right? Turning 21. And so the decision tree um, to go through for as practitioners working with families is that um, we, we need to, number one, consider structure and routine, like you said, right? Um, eliminating um, competing stimuli. Mm -hmm. Here, or it's like you said, 
Um, a lot of our child, um, children have overloaded sensory processing systems, and if we can diminish that sensory input and provide the appropriate sensory input, like your big bed and your body pillow and your sound machine, um, those kinds of things help. And then the fact that you could um, rule out the physical component of it with acid reflux mm -hmm. and um, the, um, the supplements and essential oils. And so as practitioners, um, we need to do a better job of going through those decision trees with parents and working through it and, and very carefully sorting out what will help or not help. Because if you just throw everything in at once, you don't know what worked, right? I think that's a definitely a good lesson because I think in general it's a lot of things um, and in the beginning with Dylan um, or anybody that I know like you not to say you're trying to find a quick fix you're just trying to figure out what works and I learned really early on that you can't throw everything in the kitchen sink at once like or you're never going to know what the actual problem is. So, um, you know, really trying to break it down one thing at a time. It's almost like when someone has allergies, like you can't just like eliminate everything and then know what's really triggering it. Like you need to do it slowly. You need to, you know, you, you have to become an expert at things. You have to do your research. You have to do trial and error. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I think works. I mean, thinking back, this, um, even when he was a baby, um, of things that worked for him with sleep and just being comfortable. There's two scenarios I can think of. Um, one was to actually get him to sleep a little bit when he was a baby. Um, they used to have, they probably still do, <laughs> have like stuffed animals that were like, it was like a teddy bear, but it had the heartbeat sound. Yep. And that, having that in there with him and that sound actually helped him go to sleep and I didn't realize it for a long time like I thought about it later and then that's when it evolved into when he got a little older like the sound machines or the waves and things like that another scenario just both I think sensory and comfort um in general was um your positioning um he used to go completely crazy and scream the entire time when he was in the car seat in the back of the car when it was when he was young, it was infant and it was face backwards. The day that he got big enough, which you know he's a big dude, so luckily it wasn't too long, <laughs> that you could turn the car seat around. He never did it again. And it was just like, it's just so amazing. It's, uh, you know, and I just think our kids are so hypersensitive to hypersensitive, so, so many things happening to their body and their sensory system that I think that's a huge component that affects everything and especially sleep. And, you know, it's so funny because you and I just spoke yesterday and we're like, Dylan is crushing it. You know, the pandemic and fires and his school keeps starting and stopping. And then last night, what'd you say? He was like, Aah. yeah, so he was up all night. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, he's calmed down a lot where before he would want me to be up. Um, I could hear him last night. He actually never tried to get me up or bother me. Um, we have, um, we talked on the first episode, we kind of have a um, 
kind of like a list, hit list of things that he can do when he's up and that I feel comfortable with. I mean, I'll, I won't lie, I was definitely up still. Like, you know, I kept waking up and, you know, I listened at the door and, you know, just make sure everything was okay. But, um, you know, he seems to do okay with it. The thing that I find super interesting is that he kind of just goes on this, like, where he's just so energized that he seems to be even okay like not sleeping all night and then still being able to go to like right now is transition to adulthood program and functioning whereas like I think all of us typically like you know I know I was hurt and I got an extra you know shot of espresso in my coffee today <laughs> yeah um and we know so it's just interesting of you know how you know they go in waves with this I think it's it's gonna sound silly but sometimes it's harder when they start uh-huh. sleeping like and then once in a while they get up and when you're used to it happening every single day it's it's more like you're conditioned to it and you know maybe it's a thing of you feel like hey I got this down and then it starts up again but everything's a cycle and I know we'll get through it you know there like we said there's a lot of changes like especially this last week and including like daylight savings time that always throws them off no trick-or-treating on Halloween there's a whole trifecta of things but um you know again like compared to what it used to be it's like night and day as far as his sleeping habits well I think that's like great to let families know that are new to this that it feels like the most impossible thing but it does get better um use your team to go through a decision tree do it slowly um these our kids are going to feel the same stress we're feeling but it it gets better and it's going to be better i think one other thing i would say that i noticed at least for dylan was um with everything in life that um you know it really helps to have a structure and routine and schedule um you know he's way more open to it now but you know any change in that was really thrown off um and just what they're comfortable with um one thing that was always a challenge too is that he um he wants to sleep in his own bed um so trying to travel trying to stay at you know other people's houses were always a challenge even if it's someone he was super into like he loves my parents he wants to be with them all the time but even when he goes to stay there it took me a while for him just to be able to go and stay there overnight yeah and it's like you always want to be with him what's your problem because like you know towards the end of the night when he would be going to bed he's like go home you know sleep right here tonight and um so, you know, not every, again, not everybody's the same, but, you know, really trying to work with them to feel comfortable about being in different environments and, um, but having everything with you, like, you know, having your sleep kit with you to make sure that you can accomplish that, you know? But speaking of sleep kit, I always like to refer families and practitioners to the Autism Speaks website because there is a several sleep toolkits. There's research that describes exactly 
what you just lived. There's also safety information on there if your child tries to leave their bedroom or leave the house. So Jen, thank you as always for joining us and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks guys.